from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Welcome to another episode of Talking Catholic. It's good to have you here with us as we continue to do our Zoom meetings to record these podcasts. It's been uh, a, a huge blessing to still be able to bring them to you. And I am here virtually with my co-host, Mike Walsh. Good to have you and see you on the screen. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't decide if I like that phrase virtually. It's it's the writer in me that keeps suggesting ah. Ah, we're vir- like I'm virtually here. Like I'm almost here, but not quite here. Um, okay. What, what, what should we, what should I change it to? I don't know. I haven't decided on the better option. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it too much. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull that up later. The um, No, no, this is, you know, I, my worry is, is that the, we're getting used to this. Uh, I may yeah. never be able to leave my house again. It's, uh, I've be, I've become, it's so I've been writing about it, a lot of stuff lately, and um, for a variety of outlets, and um, nothing under my name, so don't go looking for it. Um, but the stuff we've been writing about has been, you know, how this has been sort of an opportunity in a weird way to strip away everything from our lives, and we're now getting this impression of what's really essential. Um, it's true, you know, and and in both a good bad, a good way and a bad way, and a good way in the sense that so much of my life has been removed now. I now realize what's really important to me, mm-hmm. and at the same time, there are elements of the things that have been removed from me that I truly yearn for again, like you know, going to mass, going into a mm-hmm. church, receiving communion. You know, these are things that. Yeah. I took for granted my entire life, not even adult life, my entire life, that some things that would always yes. be there and they're not. And, you know, I know we, there are those of us who often will make the, the joke, uh, you know, first world, first world problems. But the truth of the matter is for most of us in the first world, this is something that is great, causes great stress for us. Whereas people in third world countries, this is something that's far more normal for them, that they don't mm-hmm. get the mass on a regular basis. They they may get communion once a year, you know? You're they might right, see a priest Mike. once a year. You are mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it's so true. And it's really um, caused so much reflection. On, and everyone, I work with youth. We know, you know, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, and I've been meeting with them on the Zoom meetings weekly with the different groups. And so many of them are saying how much more appreciative they are of the everyday things, going to school, you know, and you would never think you'd hear a kid say that, going to school, being with friends, uh, having baseball practice, things like that. So, and also on the flip side of it, they're also seeing the value of uh, what is also important to them in regards to family and uh, spending time with them spending time in prayer together as a family. And I think that's really important for them to witness as youth. And of course, parents alike are saying the same things. I had a parent meeting with uh, the Zoom, using Zoom with some of the youth group parents to check in with them and also see how their kids are doing through through their parents' eyes because they're going to tell me one thing, but parents see them 24-7 now at this point. And, and they went well, but the parents were also saying, how they needed this break, how they felt like they were just running, 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 running sports and here and there. And, and to pause and have this break has actually in some ways been a huge blessing. So there's so many ways to look at it and, yeah. and we could see it through a, a rose colored lens and to see the good of it. 
I've been sleeping more. I'm very happy about that. It's, uh, I agree. I know. I'm like, wow, I'm getting nine hours of sleep a night. Yeah, it's the weirdest I don't even thing. know. Well, I'm a night owl, so I'd be up till midnight and then yeah. uh, and then have to get up at 6.30 in the morning and get Jack on the bus. And uh, now I will fully admit, now I'm still... You know, I'm I'm using all the guidelines that we've been given from people who say, you know, keep your routines as best you can. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting up every day, you know, taking a shower, getting dressed. Although I, I had to uh, live stream the Bishop's Mass on Sunday from his residence in Woodbury. Bishop Sullivan's mass, that is. And uh, I realized it was the first time I put on pants in three days. I've been in shorts for three straight days. It's like, really funny. You know, my son is going <laughs> to, he's been doing a great job with school. He really has. Um, I'm very impressed with uh, St. Michael's Regional School in Clayton. It's done a great job of the distance learning. But <laughs> he's been funny in the sense that uh, I may never get him back into a Catholic school uniform again because oh, uh, right. he's, he's embraced the, the, <laughs> being a pseudo public school kid and working from home, but mm-hmm. uh, with, with religion classes though. So anyway, but that's what's going on. But we, so we have a, a special guest that uh, we knew from the beginning we were going to bring back. We even, we even talked about it when he appeared on our Lenten, our uh, Ash Wednesday broadcast um, yeah, in the middle of or what, early, late, late February, I guess we did it. Uh, Father John R- Rossi, my pastor at uh, St. Bridget uh, University Parish in Glassboro, New Jersey. Welcome Father. Thanks. It's great to be back. Yeah. I mean, how times have changed since we last talked on this show. That's the thing. We we were all excited. We were like, oh, we're going to start the Lenten season by having Father John on, and then we're going to end it by having him on to talk about the Triduum. Well, we're still going to do that, but now we have a lot of other things to discuss as well. (laughs) And and Father, I have to give you a lot of credit. Um, You... Perhaps as quick as any any pastor in the diocese, you jumped into online live streaming of events. Uh, I think you I think you were the first to do a procession around the city of Glassboro, uh, uh, which was beautiful. And then mm-hmm. you've been doing daily masses uh, every day from the the Franciscan Sisters uh, Chapel in the in the neighboring building to you, and it's been beautiful. It's been absolutely gorgeous. Oh, my wife, you. my wife never almost never misses a, a, a. I was about to say an episode, almost never misses a mass. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, was it something? You know, the decision to go online was that something you sort of quickly decided upon, or did it take you a few minutes? Well, you know what I think news develops so quickly and all of us have to act really quickly to keep up with it. I was um, online with some friends that I made back in seminary days. I have some priest friends in Northern Italy who were hit really hard. Mm. Um, there's a, another priest friend that I ha- I was in seminary with in Washington, DC. He was an exchange program. He's from Southern France and they're also uh, struggling with coronavirus and they're on lockdown there. And I noticed that on their Facebook and their social media, they started doing live streaming of masses. They started doing these little video teachings to encourage their people. And having that connection inspired me. And I thought, you know what, I I better get ready too. And it's been a learning curve, like being the first year in charge of a parish, but to have this whole um, scenario and trying to figure things out, what I'm going to do. And still trying to preach the gospel and step up for my priestly responsibilities and try to help people. I thought, I, I have to act. I have to do something. And I started coming up like quickly, like, let's let's respond to this. And the, the oh. response seems to have been been very good. The um, your daily masses, 
you know, I have to imagine that a typical daily mass would have, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 people in it, depending on the day of the week. Mm-hmm. But I've seen I've seen masses as, me- as much as 100 people for your for your daily masses. And I think that's beautiful. Right. right. And by the end of the day, two people who have watched it, like on Sunday, we had 400 views. Like sometimes people might not see the whole mass, but they'll tune in and they'll. So it's touching lives. And there and are people from all over that I wouldn't have access to if they were just coming to the church here in Glassboro, but throughout the diocese, throughout the country, the world. I have cousins um, in California who are tuning in now to get to see me celebrate mass, mm. which is really nice. You know, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I've, I've been the technician on our uh, and for our uh, stations of the cross on Fridays and then the Saturday vigil masses we've been doing. And it's, I love when people say like joining you from so-and-so. So I've had uh, Ontario, Canada, and California as well, and um, a few others, one from Venezuela who knows Father Maz. So it's wow. a really neat. I love when they pop up on the feed as it's live. You see them chiming in mm. and saying it. Uh, of course, you miss that, Father, because you're your technician, but it's <laughs> right. neat when you see that happening live. You're like, oh, this is exciting. Like people are coming from Must all be. over to watch this. The, and, and, you know, it's true. The, the bishop, when the bishop does his Sunday Mass, and he'll be doing the, the Triduum Masses uh, going forward. Um, so there's a camera guy, and then I'm making sure the, the social media is going okay because we're, we're, we broadcast on three channels on at, to five sources. We're using Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and then the Diocesan website and the Catholic Star Herald website. So I'm trying to keep an eye on everything just to make sure that, you know, everything's working properly and the sound's coming through and all that kind of stuff. The um, But what has been truly enjoyable to watch is people praying along with the Mass. So mm-hmm. during the sign oh, of no. peace, they're wishing each other the sign of peace. It's, it's beautiful. I... I never yeah, would have yeah. imagined people would have done that. It's been outstanding. Yeah. Right. It's keeping us all connected. And, and you know, it's yeah. a beautiful way. Uh, and unfortunately, the only way we really have right now for the greater community to, to live out their faith through Mass is, is doing this. Right. So we're so thankful I mean, for could, our priests to do, be able to do this. Thank you, Father, for being one yeah. of them. I mean, could you imagine if we didn't have social media at a time like this? Like, how would we even connect with people? Mm-hmm. I was so impressed in the last couple of days. I've had parishioners that are in their 70s and 80s, not really into technology, but in order to attend mass, they're getting Facebook accounts. They're, yeah. they're signing mm-hmm. up, they're getting on mm-hmm. YouTube and, you know, just to stay connected. And thank God for that, because there's a lot of people that live all alone and yes. you wonder how they're doing and everything, but there's a way to keep connected with them. And in a crisis like this, we really need that social connection, even if it's not in person. I think it's really a, a blessing in a way. And each of the parishes is sort of doing it in their own way. Uh, I, there's one parish in Cherry Hill, St. Mary's in Cherry Hill. They do a 4 p.m. daily rosary, which I've mm-hmm. been really impressed with, and people pray along with it, and that's that's really nice. Your Stations of the Cross every Friday night, Carrie, you know, that that's had a lot of success in terms of people chiming in and following along. Um, we've seen people doing these Zoom calls, like we're doing right now, but uh, doing Zoom calls where they're keeping their ministry going. I mean, Carrie, you're you have become the queen of the Zoom. <laughs> it's funny because before doing a lot with the diocese with uh, talk both talking Catholic and youth ministry insights, I never even heard of Zoom. Uh, this was probably about the fall uh, that I heard it for the first time. I was like, "What is Zoom?" <laughs> and now I'm like teaching people how to do it and and putting it out there. And I've learned a lot, you know, sharing the screens. That has been fun to share the screens yeah. and doing some interactive stuff with that. But uh, but yeah, I I've keep I've kept my ministries going, both youth and young adult, 
regularly and added more like the parents meetings and things like that. I think it's really important that we do not lose connection, especially something I've learned with youth ministry, but I think it kind of goes across the board with all ministries is uh, we've gotten such, uh, you know, a great, I don't know how to say it, following or uh, attendance with our ministries. And I didn't want to see that just end and halt. So I was like, oh, my, I can't just like say, okay, now I'm going to sit at home for the next umpteen days or 20, however long it's going to be. It's going to be longer than that. Months. It, it, who knows? We have no idea when this is going to end. So I didn't want to see that momentum end. And, and now we're able mm-hmm. to just kind of keep it going. We've also been able to tap into a greater uh, nationwide event that has been put on by Project YM, which is Project Youth Ministry. And they are a couple that run this website. And they, they've been running it for years now, gearing towards youth ministers and helping them in the Catholic faith and how to how to have content and giving them content, giving them information on how to be youth ministers and such. And they're a great, great group, great organization. And now they've been putting out these live uh, nights every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. So on us on the East Coast, it's been excuse me, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. for us on the East Coast. And they've been great. They've had some great speakers on. They had Paul J. Kim last week. This week they had uh, Katie Prejean McGrady. And next week it's going to be Father Mike Schmitz. So they've been doing a phenomenal job uh, allowing other youth groups all across the country to tap into them. They have had over 10,000 viewers uh, on a weekly basis, and that has been pretty incredible to be a part of as well. So any anything we could put out there for for the youth, for the for also for the greater parish to tap into, uh, I think it's a wonderful thing in these times that people are just rising up to put out great content for others to tap into. And that's mm-hmm. that going back to you, Father Rossi, that's something you've done really well as well. So you you have your, your daily mass and you have your Sunday mass, but you've also been posting sort of messages to the parishioners, uh, longer versions of your homily and, and a number of other things. So what, what kind of drew you to do that? You know, at the beginning of Lent, I told the people, I was playing on the fact that we're in the year 2020, and I said, we're going to look at 2020 vision for Lent. And I promised the people that I was going to do a teaching series every single Sunday. And then I was discouraged when we had this lockdown and we were told we can't have public masses. But I thought I had plans. I wanted to do this. I'm going to still um, work on this. And it's been somewhat of a challenge because I had to learn to do video editing on my MacBook and put words up on the screen. <laughs> I never thought I'd be doing all that, but um, it's been fun. And I, I, I used to make um, like worksheets that I would put into the bulletin where people could take notes when they're at mass on Sunday. And then I've been publishing those along with the, um, the teaching that I do on the video just to keep people connected, give them something, some hope and something to do. And I've really been, have been sticking to the theme about clarifying our vision, getting more focus in life, and Christ helps us in that process, especially in the Lenten season. So that's what I wanted to continue, that momentum. I didn't want to just lose that altogether. Yeah. That's been sort of, you know, what what is... What have people been calling this Lent? Was it the, the last Lent, the lost Lent? Uh, there's this phrase that's been going on around. The longest Lent? I've been <laughs> it definitely feels like the longest Lent. Lent. <laughs> a long Lent. But, but it's, it's in some ways, it's actually, it's both beautiful and tragic that it happened during this time of year where mm-hmm. we've now mm-hmm. been removed from our usual Lenten practices. But, you know, when you think about what Lent is, and this is something you, you talked about, Father Rossi, on the previous show, that Lent is sacrifice. Um, mm-hmm. This is a rare occasion where it's not voluntary sacrifice. It's this sacrifice has been hoisted upon us. But 
you know, do you, in talking to your parishioners, you know, uh, have you found them to be lost spiritually? Like, has this been a great hardship on them, maybe too hard on them? Or are they finding ways of, of finding that silver lining? You know, I would say for the most part, the people that I've talked to are just trying to be optimistic, trying to, to be understanding. Um, one thing that's nice is there's a nice neighborhood around the parish. I'll walk through the neighborhood, keep my distance and <laughs> shout to different neighbors and talk to people and stuff like that and see how they're doing. And they all seem to be doing really well. They have people either looking out for them, shopping for them. Um, it, it's been encouraging just to, to check in with people and know that people are trying to make the most of the situation, uh, giving phone calls to different people, uh, they're, they're just trying to adapt, yeah. you know? One of the heartbreaking things for me was in the past week, we had a parishioner who was a member here for 60 years. We couldn't even have a funeral. Oh. I celebrated a private mass. I had to do the burial, uh, the, the prayers right at the gravesite, but the family couldn't come to the church, and I, I talked to them on the phone about it. But it's it's heartbreaking in, in different ways. We, we look forward to the day when we can congregate again in our churches and We'll appreciate it even more, I think. But I think people right now are just trying to do what's best for themselves, their family, adapt and you know, follow the instructions that they've been given, you know? And yeah, and so that true. you know, it's funny that I being the communications director for the Diocese of Camden, I get a lot of letters um, from people who both complimentary and sharing their dismay with some decisions that are made. Mm. And, letters uh, or emails? Do they actually handwrite them? Oh no, I still get handwritten letters. Wow. Th- those are the ones that are most dangerous. Um, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> people put thought into those. Um, mm-hmm. The but even the emails um, and the tweets and the Facebook messages and stuff like that. You know, there there have been you know groups of people, not large groups, but uh, a couple of individuals who are not happy that the that the churches have been closed in the state of New Jersey and and feel that it's um, you know feel that. It comes across as feeling like the state has mandated that we we close the churches, and that's not accurate. The, the truth of the matter is is that um, you know the bishops of New Jersey, taking the guidance of you know learned medical professor, uh, professionals, are realize that congregating together is going to be a massive problem, and that the only way to protect our people was to make sure that they were able to be apart. Um, the churches technically in the Diocese of Camden are, in fact, open. They're not closed. You can go to one um, and have private prayer and, and things of that nature. You just can't congregate together in, in a group. And you have to, if you do decide to go, you have to do it with social distancing in mind. Um, but it was done because out of a wisdom. You know, if you look back into the Black Plague and even the Spanish flu in the early 1900s, you know, there was a desire during these terrible times to come together and pray. And what they didn't realize at the time, but we now understand is that has that is how the disease was getting was getting passed. So for us to come together now means to be apart. And I know it's hard for a lot of Catholics and, and actually Christian denominations across the uh, the globe mm-hmm. to spend this time apart, but it's really important. And that's why we've been sort of creating all of this content and, and all these different, utilizing all these virtual apparati to be able to, mm-hmm. to talk with each other and to be able to, to, to do more. And 
and you know, I jokingly said something at the beginning about my my I'm, I'll never get my son to a Catholic school uniform again. First of all, that's not true. He's definitely going in. Matter of fact, <laughs> when, if he doesn't do his work, I tell him the next day he'll have to do it while he's wearing his Catholic school uniform, um, <laughs> even though we're home. But but um, you know, I think going back to what you were saying, Father Rossi, I think that there is going to. <laughs> be this desire, particularly amongst our hardier Catholics, to come back to church even more when this is mm-hmm. when this mm-hmm. is done. I, I know for a fact I will never take it take it for granted again. Yeah, I agree. And and you know, as I mentioned, I'm the technician and Mike, you've been blessed to film some of these masses as well. So you get to go into the church or go into the bishop's chapel, but yeah. There's something Bishop's about attic. going. I, I lovingly uh, yeah. refer to as his attic. That's where we. It is. That's where, you can tell. I, every time I see Father Rossi shooting from the the chapel in uh, with the Franciscan sisters and how beautiful it is and how wide and open spaces mm-hmm. and how brightly lit it is, and there I am in the bishop's attic where his chapel is, where the sound is bouncing around and we're all in tight quarters, socially distanced, six feet apart, but still <laughs> it's this long tube essentially it drives me nuts. But I'm sorry, I digress. What were you going to say? No, you're fine. You're Actually, I mean, people won't see this, but I'm sitting in my attic, which looks similar to it does actually. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me, but what I was going to say is that when I go into the church, it you know Jesus is there, the tabernacle's there, and that's all we need, of course. But you know, there's something about churches we know it's it's a community where we're the we're the body of Christ, and when there's not other people in the church it doesn't feel the same. Like it, it, it's just, there's, there's an absence there. And so I even being blessed to have gone to a few masses now th- to film them still being an empty church. It's something so surreal. Like this doesn't feel right. You know, there, there needs mm-hmm. to be more. So there's definitely even a yearning there for the people that are going. And I know our priest that said mass, our associate priest that said mass this weekend said the same things. Like I missed the babies crying. I missed the people responding. I missed it all. It did not feel the same for him. And and I concur. You know, there's something missing there. Yeah, it's true. We got to figure well, out. Let's get into the triduum. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's well, what that's, about. So that's the truth of the matter. Is even though you know the we're in this sort of desolate times in terms of our spirituality, <laughs> um, the Earth is continuing to spin around the around the sun, and therefore Lent is is still progressing uh, with it. So there, these are times now when we need to be preparing for for the triduum. So, Father Rossi, you know, as we're cut with this, we are recording this uh, the Monday before Palm Sunday, so uh, a week before the Triduum start, or a little more than a week before the Triduum starts. You know, what should people be um, sort of focused on right now in there as we're in these private spiritual lives now? I think it's so important that we pick up the Gospels and really return to the actual stories of how people witness Jesus suffering and dying for the, for the love of us. And I think it's, it's great to just delve into these stories from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all take a different perspective, but read uh, from the gospel, starting with the, the recounting of Palm Sunday and how people were so joyous and then how everything just turned upside down in a few days. By the end of that week, Jesus would be on the cross. You know, and we we hear about his last supper. We hear about his passion and then his rising from the dead. But I think it's there's no better place to look than going to the Gospels and getting ourselves ready to enter into this great week, uh, the most holy week, the high holy days 
of our church year where everything in our faith makes sense because Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ is coming again. That's the whole mystery, but it all unfolds in in this next week that we're approaching. Wow. And, you know, so going back to the Gospels is is one thing that we can certainly do, but let's, let's kind of take it day by day, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Palm Sunday happens. Uh, Palm Sunday for me has always been a a a this a whiplash kind of a, of a Sunday because we start with the palms as we're coming in and it's so joyful and then and then we do the passion of of uh, the passion play essentially uh, the passion right. gospel as part of the mass and and it ends so tragically um, yeah. the what should now when this is people listening to this you know they'll have uh, Palm Sunday will have just happened what do you want people right. taking away from Palm Sunday. I think it's, it always struck me when we proclaim the passion gospel, when we do it as a community and the church, we all have a part to play, right? And I think it's very telling that the priest always takes the part of Christ, because every time we celebrate Holy Mass, the priest is in persona Christi. He's there as another Christ. He's, when he's saying, this is my body. This is my blood. I don't stand there and say, this is Jesus's body. This is Jesus's blood. But it's Christ's spirit speaking through me as a priest in order to bring about that consecration. So it's very powerful for me standing there as the representative of Christ to say his words in that passion narrative. Then you also have a narrator who's telling the story. You have a voice, another person uh, who's playing the part sometimes of Peter or Pontius Pilate, or someone who's talking one-to-one with Christ. But then there's the part of the crowd. And I'll tell you, that's what always uh, strikes me as something powerful. When Pilate asks the crowd, what should we do? And everyone says, crucify him, Mm -hmm. crucify him. And it's always a reminder to me that, you know, we don't place the blame on the Jewish people. We don't blame the Roman people. All of us, by our sinfulness, by our thoughts, words, and actions that go against God's law, uh, that's really what put Jesus up on the cross. That's what caused Mm -hmm. the crucifixion. Our our Mm -hmm. sins, we actually say that by our lives, uh, by our sinfulness. We've said, crucify him. And it's really a wake-up call for us to own up to that and remember why Jesus went up on the cross. It's because of our sins. Yeah. You know, so that's something that really always struck me from childhood onward. Every year that I hear the Passion Gospel proclaimed on Palm Sunday and Good Friday, we're the ones that said, crucify him. And yeah. Jesus thought of, thought of each of us when he was on the cross. That's amazing in itself. I mean, he looked out to the people that day who were physically present, and he said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they're doing. But he actually thought of each of us and all the sins we would commit in our lifetime and his forgiveness extends to everything. No sin is too big, you know, and his mercy is just so powerful and amazing. Yeah, I agree with you, Father. I've never liked to say that line. Actually, sometimes I actually omit saying it. I just listen to everybody else saying it because it's hard to almost utter the words, although we probably, I probably need to, to face it because that's mm-hmm. actually exactly how you said it is each of us. But it's so hard to say those words. So I'm like, I love you, Jesus. I, I can't say this right now. But in all mm-hmm. reality, it is each and every one of our sins. So we should really uh, say that with great thought and great reflection on what actually 
um, happen on that sad day in our world. But ultimately, we know it leads to to greater good in in a few days later. So yeah, definitely, yeah. And you know, you know, just going back to the situation we're in now, a lot of people are going to miss one of the the, the favorite parts of. Uh, the Lenten season and probably the Catholic calendar year round is we're not going to be able to distribute palms this year. So, mm-hmm. uh, so many of you who went to your masses yesterday or, or saw them online and, and f- missed that part. Um, we're all in the same boat together. We, we didn't yeah. get our, we didn't get our palms, but, uh, right. actually somebody asked me a question today, father Rossi, that I didn't know the answer to. Um, uh, do you think that at some point in the future when the coronavirus is behind us and, and a little bit more um, that we might uh, have palms given out at a later mass? I guess it depends. Um, some places that have ordered palms, they've already gotten them. Yeah. Uh, we, we order them at our parish. And when we heard that the public masses were canceled, we canceled our order. Okay. So I think it depends on each place um if palms are available kind of wouldn't make sense after the fact of palm sunday i think yeah but i think we we, we're really being challenged to look at well what's the meaning of the palm in the first place what's the symbolism palm is a symbol of uh victory over the messiah uh the jewish people had prophecies that the messiah would enter into uh, Jerusalem riding on a cult, exa- exactly like Jesus did. And people were calling out and cheering and the, waving the palms to welcome the king. And uh, that's very telling. So when, we, when, we're, when something is taken away from us, when we don't have it, I was always taught absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that not having the palms this year, hopefully people will start to explore, like is, this isn't just something like, a trendy thing to do. Like I collect my palms and I weave them into a cross and that's just the cool thing to do. Or Mm -hmm. that's what my family has always done. Mm -hmm. But let's realize that this year we're missing the palms, but what do they really point to? It's the symbol of this messianic King who's already come into the world. We're his followers. We're waiting for him to come back again. And, you know, these palms are a symbol of that great um, kingdom that he's ushering into the world and the great reign of peace that he wants to bring into our lives. So that's what I think we have to rediscover some of these things that we're missing this year. Uh, what do they actually point us to? What do they mean? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. So after Palm Sunday comes mm-hmm. ordinarily would come one of my favorite masses of the year, which would be the chrism mass. However, right. not, not necessarily part of the triduum officially, but always takes part as part of Holy Week, I think. And sure. um, this year, we ordinarily we'd be done the Thursday morning before um, uh, Thursday evening mass. Uh, good. Uh, Holy Thursday. Thank you. Holy Thursday Mass. Uh, Mm. In the Diocese of Camden, because uh, the diocese is so large, we do it on a Tuesday so that the priests can can get to the Mass and then get back to their their parishes. This year, it's not going to happen at all. This year, it's been canceled, um, which is a shame because it's the nicest smelling Mass of the year. Uh, (laughs) But it's also the the Mass that's specifically for the priests. Um, When Bishop does his his homily every year, uh, it's the Chrism Mass. (laughs) I say this lovingly um the chrism mass he will be very direct and occasionally acerbic with the the priests and not so much admonishing them but in strongly encouraging them in their responsibilities as priests um mm-hmm. and what they need to be doing and he does that as both a father figure and as a brother figure um mm-hmm. 
And usually in years past, there would also be a, a dinner afterwards just for the, the clergy to attend. And it was his opportunity to have a meal with his brother priests um, after the mass. And, and so, and in addition to all of that, it's also the mass where the chrism uh, oils are um, are blessed, and so all of that's been canceled, and, and parishes now have to use their supply of of oil to to last until a proper right. chrism mass can be done. So, Father, from your perspective, you know, are you a are you going to miss the dinner, and more importantly, are you going to miss uh, B- uh, Bishop <laughs> Sullivan haranguing you in his homily? <laughs> <laughs> well, I miss the mass most of all because I'll tell you, it's such a great coming together of our diocese uh, really expresses the fraternity of the priesthood. Uh, We look to Bishop Sullivan as our spiritual father. He gathers us all together as brothers. So it's so important that we as priests, we don't have many opportunities. We're so busy uh, working, especially during the Lenten season and as Easter approaches, but it's great to con celebrate mass together, to see one another, check in with one another, share a meal. But uh, the mass is really the center of our lives as priests and to be able to celebrate that with the bishop. And at that mass, we also renew our commitments. Mm-hmm. We we recall the vows or the promises that we made on the day of our ordination. And we, we say before the whole community, yes, Lord, I'm going to continue those promises. I want to live in obedience. I want to live the celibacy. I want to continue to pray for my people. All of those things, it just really refocuses us on what's most important. And it's gathering around in the Eucharist, which is the center of our faith that really defines who we are as the body of Christ, the church. Yeah. It's, it, I, I, it's sad. I tell everyone every year when we have the podcast and we do some episode around the Chrism Mass, I encourage everybody to go to the Chrism Mass and I will do it again, even though that they are currently uh, canceled slash postponed. When it does come back, uh, I encourage you go, to go to it. A- aside from it, it is truly a beautiful Mass. Uh, the blessing of the, 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 the blessing of the oils and everything that, that happens as a part of that is really wonderful to see, and it's moving, and it's just it's a great opportunity to go. Carrie, have you been to the mm-hmm. Chrism Mass before? I have. I've been to it a few times. Yeah. Um, not in the last like two years, I haven't been, but I have been a few times, and yeah. it is beautiful. Actually, when I was in college, it was the very first time I went. I it was my first experience in ever seeing the diocese on that large scale because uh, you might recall I'm from North Jersey. So being down in South Jersey, um, I was going to college in the Camden diocese, which ultimately led to me staying here. But while there, uh, they asked a couple of representatives from the Newman club, Catholic campus ministry to bring up, I guess it's the oil for your mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the representatives and it was my mm-hmm. first time experiencing the Camden diocese on such a large grand scale. And that moment stuck has always stuck with me for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I always think of too, is that oil that is blessed by the Bishop and consecrated that evening in our diocese will be the same oil that will be used like the chrism to consecrate the new priests. We have two new priests that are mm-hmm. being ordained God willing this year. Uh, we have, you know, so many baptisms and confirmations, that same oil will be used. The, the people that are anointed as sick, the little babies who are anointed on the day of their baptism, so much goes from that oil, and it keeps us all connected to our bishop as that spiritual father of our diocese. Yeah, yeah. Right. and as Mike said, it smells so good. <laughs> and so good. That, when I'm a confirmation <laughs> sponsor or a godmother at baptism, I'm like, let me smell your head afterwards. I just want to <laughs> smell it the whole time. It's, it's beautiful. It's it really 
Heavenly. So from, you, oh, go ahead, Father. Oh, I was going to say, you know, one thing that I found out through my seminary studies that really impressed me about the Chrism Mass, why was it done on Holy Thursday morning? That's the norm, actually. In our, mm-hmm. in our diocese, we do it on Tuesday, but Thursday, well, Thursday was the day that the Lord instituted the priesthood, right? Mm-hmm. For the, the Last Supper, which follows that Holy Thursday evening. So that's why, you know, the Chrism Mass is a special mass for the priests. But another thing that um, really impressed me was that the main symbol is oil. And, you know, where do we get the oil from? We get it from the olives, right? right? And the olives are crushed. If you go to the Holy Land, the Garden of Gethsemane, I was there Mm -hmm. back in 2006 where Jesus prayed uh, the night before he died. Mm. It was in this Garden of Gethsemane filled with olive trees, right? Mm. Yeah, right. And that's, that's a powerful symbol that, that the olive is crushed just as our Lord would go into his passion, mm. right? He yes. was, oh. you know, symbolically like crushed on the cross for our salvation. And that oil that's consecrated at that mass will be there to unite the people in their sacraments, the sacramental life to Christ. And all that is connected to that sacrifice that we all make, right? Mm -hmm. Because as baptism, in our baptism, we're called to unite ourselves to the body of Christ, which was crucified. The anointing of the sick, is that oil is there to comfort and strengthen someone as they go through their own passion, maybe possibly their death, right? That Mm -hmm. that that oil connects them to Christ's passion and how in that agony in the garden of Gethsemane, he was surrounded by these olive trees. Yeah. So everything wow. is connected, you know, even the, the bread and wine that are uh, made into the Eucharist. Christ also on Thursday, he took the olives, right? That became the oil and the bread comes from the grains of wheat and the wine comes from the grapes that are crushed. But all three things the the olives, the grains, and the grapes all have to be destroyed and changed in some way to be made into mm-hmm. the bread, the wine, and the oil. So mm-hmm. in all those things, there's a, an element of sacrifice, like this new spiritual sacrifice. God is going to use these symbols to incorporate us into yeah. the body of Christ. Wow. It's powerful when you stop and think yeah. about how God takes something from nature mm-hmm. and by human creativity, we've taken these things, we produce olive oil, we produce bread, we produce wine, and God's going to use those things to connect with us in the sacraments. Wow. You see that? That's like really you amazing. Just, you just took it yeah. to a whole new level for me. I didn't, had no idea of the olives and all that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not by I'm accident we invite him on the show. So that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> Thank you, Father. <laughs> The um, well, you know, you so we go from the chrism mass, which you, as you said, is usually in the morning of, of Holy mm-hmm. Thursday, and then we go into the Holy Thursday mass. And you know, I think most people, you know, recognize Holy Thursday mass as the from the from the part of the the mass where it's the the washing of the feet, which is always a beautiful right. thing to do. And actually, some of my best photography has been Bishop <laughs> um, washing people's feet. Um, but it, it's it's it is a momentous uh, mass that I think a lot of people don't realize the 
the joy of being able to go to, um, you know, and obviously this year we're going to miss it. And, and to make matters even worse um, in the Diocese of Camden, um, you can only celebrate the mass. So there won't be any washing of the feet at all, not even in the, the bishop's mass that will be live streaming that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part will be be missing. But I'm, um, you know, what could uh, Father Rossi, what could uh, people do in lieu of and certainly in addition to, to watching the mass? What could they do on Holy Thursday? Because one other element that's missing from Holy Thursday is in the Diocese of Camden. There's no visitation of the other churches. Mm-hmm. That's been uh, right. that's been mm-hmm. banned because we know that pe- a lot of people would come, and we know that they wouldn't socially distance themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was wise that they did that. But man, I was bummed to read that because yeah. it's my favorite night of the year. Yeah, I know. So, so Father Rossi, yeah. what could people do in lieu of that? Well, you know, I think we can learn from our Jewish brothers and sisters. Because on Wednesday of Holy Week is the first night of their Passover, and Christ himself was celebrating Passover when he had the Last Supper. And he transformed that holy day into a new Passover for all of us. And now that I think families are at home and they're rediscovering their closeness and their time together, I think Thursday would be a good night to say, okay, everyone, put the phones aside Put the, turn the TV, the radio off. Let's have a good family meal. Let's sit down together and let's just talk about what we're grateful for as a family. Because Eucharist mm. is a word in Greek, which means Thanksgiving. And while you can't make it to the church to be thankful and express that, maybe you'll watch a live stream. But what are you truly grateful for as a family? How can you sit down and have a meal? Because a meal is really a, a symbol of love and sharing when you sit down together, you're sharing some community communion. That's what we, we celebrate holy communion. But I think it would be a good idea, in addition to maybe watching a live stream of your parish's Holy Thursday Mass, of schedule a dinner, make it special, set the table, make it like a you know you were having a guest over to the ta- over to your your family. And you know one thing I love about what the Jewish people do at their Passover is they always have an empty seat at the table mm-hmm. with. Uh, a place, uh, you know, a setting, a setting for that person, but it's like for the prophet Elijah, mm-hmm. you know, that that invisible guest will, you know, come back one day to, um, to, to usher in the Messiah. And I think that might be a neat thing to do for us as, as Christians, like to, to put one seat open at the table, set the table and recognize that Christ is present in our midst. You know, even though we can't make it to church. That's a really great yeah. idea. And unfortunately, we're recording this at dinner time, and now I'm very hungry. Um, <laughs> but uh, but now, but in addition to that, now I'm wondering if I can do an impromptu Seder dinner next uh, Holy Thursday, because I do love a good Seder, Seder dinner. I've been I love invited the to a Seder few. Dinners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they are great. But that's an outstanding... I'm sure there's a lot of resources online for that, too. You they really yeah. into. Yeah. And it, can, it enriches our faith, because... <laughs> When you realize that, you know, when um, a lot of the readings that we're, we're entering into, especially for priests in the Liturgy of the Hours, we're called to focus on how the first Passover took place, how Moses led the people out of slavery in Egypt, and really what Christ is doing, he's the new Moses, he's the new leader to lead us out of slavery to sin into the promised land of heaven, and um, I think we have to rediscover that, and I think looking into a Seder, looking at the prayers the Jewish people say as they enter into that high holy day of their year, we can rediscover how we have our roots 
in that faith. It's a continuation. The Old Testament is, you know, the, and the New Testament go together and Christ fulfills that Passover, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really uh, insightful. I'll never forget, um, I heard a story once of someone, a friend of mine, and he was working at a place and he was talking to people during a lunch break and the guy that he worked with went through 12 years of Catholic schooling, okay? And he said, um, you know, I just don't get it. It seems like we're always in competition with the Jewish people. Why is it that they have their feasts the same time? They have Hanukkah, we have Christmas, they have Passover, we have Easter, not even realizing that Easter is always the same time as Passover because it's, you know, the continuation of that covenant and the fulfillment of that. Jesus is ushering in this new Passover. His last supper was a Passover meal, and he's setting us free from sin and death. And, you know, we have to realize that. And I think it's powerful to look at their traditions and how they inform and and, um, give us guidance in what we're doing as followers of Christ. I love that. That's a great idea. And, you know, I think it's it's such a great idea, especially this year, because we have so much extra time and families are eating together. So why not make it extra special because you're not running to practice or you're not running yeah. to pick up your child from here or there, uh, get, you know, eating in the car half the time. You can actually sit down and have a meal. So I think that's a great thing for families to take on, especially in this year, mm-hmm. in this time. And then the, the, the following day, we moved to Good Friday, which actually I am an expert in talking about what to do when you can't do the, to <laughs> a, a Good Friday service, because most of my adult life until I came to work for the diocese, I never was able to make a Good Friday service. So by the mm-hmm. thing I would always do at three o'clock on, on Good Friday is that's when I would pull out my Bible and I would read the Passion Story as part mm-hmm. of, at, for however long it took me to get through, and that would be my, my thing to do. Now, now we, of course, have the live stream, and I'm sure a lot of the parishes will be doing some form of a live stream of uh, Good Friday. Um, but in addition to that, uh, Father, do you have recommendations for how to how to keep the Good Friday? In my family, uh, my parents and grandparents always taught me that it's important to keep that day as a special day. We we observed silence always between 12 noon and 3 p.m. when Mm. our Lord hung on the cross. Mm -hmm. And I think it might be challenging when everyone's together in in the house. Maybe you're all home from work, but to try to keep conscious of that time when our Lord was suffering on the cross, like from 12 to 3, that's a sacred time on Good Friday. And Mm -hmm. to spend that time in quiet prayer, uh, maybe take a walk outside, take the rosary up, take the, the Bible and or just spend that time in silence. I think it's it's powerful before we go into the actual um, celebration of the Lord's Passion at three o'clock. Yeah. But I think we really have to you know take that day seriously and enter into some type of sacrifice and penance for the world. You know, um, I think that that's so necessary. It was it was moving when we saw our Holy Father on. March 27th, go into St. Peter's Square all by himself, interceding for the whole world, Mm -hmm. uh, praying before that crucifix. I really hope that in each Catholic home, there's a a crucifix in a a place of prominence, a a special place in the house. And if not, maybe bring it down to the main area of the house and um, set up a little altar that day or set up a reminder uh, of what our Lord did for love of us being on the cross. You know, I think that would be a, a good way to celebrate. 
I would even suggest as well, something I've come to accustomed to in my household is later that evening after the services are done is watching the passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's passion. And Definitely, if yeah. you don't have it on DVD, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> maybe you can uh, stream it somewhere uh, mm-hmm. from some, one of the sites, you know, one of the streaming services, because I think it really brings to, to visual, uh, to visual light and, and to, like an aid, a visual aid for us to see exactly what our Lord endured, even though we know it was even so much even worse than that, but it, he did a beautiful job in making that movie. And I think it really will help others uh, see and meditate and pray in a deeper way on Good Friday, especially again, while we have some time. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And then we go into Holy Saturday and the, the Easter vigil mass uh, in the evening. And, um, (laughs) That's always been my favorite Mass of the year. Uh, tends to be the most joyous. It's, uh, once again, going back to my roots as a photographer, it's one of the best ones to photograph because there's usually there's usually a candlelight part of it mm-hmm. at some point. Matter of fact, I shot one yes, last year that may have been the most beautiful I've ever photographed. Um, and this year, once again, we're going to lose all of it, um, uh, including, perhaps even most sadly, our catechumens um, and confirmandi right. who... Uh, um, who won't be able to be a part of it this year. Um, you know, Father, in terms of your parish, those uh, those people who are going to be joining the church, that'll be moved back to a later date, correct? Yes. It's really heartbreaking there because, I mean, Easter is the prime opportunity to welcome in new members of the church. Yeah. I'm just hoping that perhaps by the time of Pentecost, that's another great time, the birthday of the church, that we mm. could maybe do it during that vigil or we'll find some way. Actually, every Sunday we, we believe is a little Easter, Yeah, you know, so we could, we could take advantage of that, but it, it's just going to be, it is, we'll be sad. Um, not these people who have been studying and preparing and serving and getting incorporated in our, our communities uh, will miss out on that opportunity to experience it on that most holy night when mm. we commemorate Christ's um, rising from the dead. Yeah. And it's really um, so many beautiful, rich symbols. Even the, the blessing of the candle. This year we're restricted. Uh, we won't have the Easter fire. We'll just light mm-hmm. the candle, and mm-hmm. little things like that will will be hard to you know to accept. But we do that out of obedience and for a greater good, yeah. you know. And and Easter will be celebrated uh, just in a different way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was um, I had to text through our remind service, two of my youth in my uh, high school formation class for RCIA, you know, that it, it will be at a later date. And one of them I'm going to be her godmother for. So it, it really extra broke my heart, but they were very accepting of it. It's been beautiful to see their resilience in this all and, mm-hmm. and how accepting people are and understanding of it. But uh, it is going to, there is going to be a sadness there and a loss there. Yeah. And I also said to my family, you know, I'm going to miss, being with them because we so many families have family traditions yeah. easter dinners oh, no. and such mm-hmm. so i told them actually the same thing father between you know the earth the the catholic church is celebrating the easter season through pentecost i said so if this all ends before pentecost let's at least mm-hmm. make this easter we'll do everything we'll do the easter baskets we'll do the easter egg hunt for the kids because we are still in the easter season so mm-hmm. let let's not discount that and still have our easter celebration and then i added and even if it goes past Pentecost, can we still please do it? Because I love seeing the kids run <laughs> yeah, I know. and have Easter egg cons and just enjoying the family time. And we all made a vow in my family to to still celebrate it whenever it might be. Yeah. That's and and I, I guess, you know, just, you know, how 
for so many people who are not going to be able to celebrate both uh, the Easter Vigil and Easter itself, Father, um, and, and probably won't even be able to celebrate with their families together, do you have any suggestions for 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 being able to to be joyous on Easter? I think it's just so important that we count our blessings. You know, things could always be worse, couldn't they? Yeah, that's a good uh, way I think of we, we, we really have to be grateful for what we have. But more than just when we think about having family and our uh, the material things that we have, I think the fact that God called us, God gave us faith, you know, Jesus died for us on the cross, he rose from the dead. I think this whole experience that we're going through right now of being on lockdown and not able to go to church, we're experiencing the wilderness of Lent. And although we won't experience Easter and all the joy and pomp and circumstance, I think when this is all done, we're going to have an Easter, won't we? Yeah. We're going yeah. to, we, we can look forward to that day when they say these restrictions are lifted. I mean, when we can hug our loved ones again, mm-hmm. when we can have that good meal together, uh, partake of Holy Communion again, I think that's going to be our Easter moment when we realize mm-hmm. all that we've been missing. And I think that's something that on Easter, if we feel like the temptation to get discouraged or down and out, say, hey, look, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, our Lord rose from the dead on the third day. Good Friday seemed like the end. It was like this like this darkness, this blackout of everything like we're experiencing now. But all in God's good time, we have to we have to keep hopeful and we have to say God will get us through this. Easter awaits us and just place our trust in the Lord. I think that's what we that's that's what we're living right now. I think we're going to understand Lent more profoundly than ever. Yeah. I think going forward next year, God willing, <laughs> we don't have another um, pandemic or something that we face mm-hmm. in the world, but um, we'll never forget this Lent, will we? No. We we'll never. never forget this Holy Week. We'll never forget this Easter. And I think it will put all the other ones in perspective. We won't take our faith for granted. Mm-hmm. We won't take uh, receiving Holy Communion, being able to make a good confession, all these sacraments that we're missing, you know, we'll we'll really get the most out of it hopefully we'll we'll allow our hearts to be changed through this experience mm-hmm. and we'll say easter awaits us right that even though we're going through this good friday more than one day i think there there's there's always joy christ conquered sin christ conquered death we're on the winning side if we stick with him yeah, yeah. beautifully I, said that is my absolute hope. And uh, in the interim, we're going to try and create as much uh, content as we can to keep people interested in their faith. And uh, we're certainly doing the live streaming now, but we even got plans for for Easter retreats uh, after uh, after Easter uh, Sunday. So mm-hmm. um, we're and I hope all the other parishes and all the other dioceses will do something similar, because uh, as we know, that the it doesn't end with Easter Sunday. That's just a, another right. another beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, Father Ozzy, thank you very much for joining us thank today. Thank you, Father. It's always a blessing. Uh, thank you. It's always great to be on. Thank yes, you. I we, we look forward to yeah. seeing you. I particularly look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon. But until then, uh, thank you both for joining us. And thank you, our listeners, for listening in. And then we hope everybody has a great day. Thank God you. Have a blessed everyone. Holy Week and Easter. Thank you so much.